You're listening to Leaders Last. Leaders Last. With your host, Dr. David Robertson. All right, all right. Welcome back to another edition of Leaders Last. I am your host, Dr. David Robertson. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. I do appreciate you. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of talk in the business world about quiet quitting and the great resignation. And from both the organization and employee standpoints, opinions and misconceptions abound. Uh, There seems to be this idea that perhaps it's a complicated situation. Now, sure, elements of it can be if you're not seeing the full scope of things. Fortunately, there are two sides of the coin to examine. Unfortunately, neither the organization nor the employee will see it for what it is if they don't take the time to examine both sides. Well, that's what we're going to discuss today. So let's begin this conversation by examining the organizational reality. More than half of employers say they're seeing more people quitting than they had in previous years. At least a third of the quitters did so without another job offer at the ready. And nearly two-thirds of the people polled by McKinsey said that they plan to leave their job in the next three to six months without uh, or with another job lined up. So you got to ask yourself, why are employees leaving? Better yet, why do employees stay? So you really kind of have to look at it from both sides. These questions set the stage for a variety of things to discuss. However, we must all remember that all things in life are a decision. This includes working for an organization, be it a church, a school, a company, or whatever. Organizations exist to provide their product or service. That's it. As employees, we choose to participate in that endeavor. Organizations offer a position. We choose to take it. They have terms of employment. We choose to accept those terms. From an effectiveness point of view, when an organization begins to focus on things other than the business, their effectiveness begins to reduce. And this is a problem for the organizations and the employee Because if they go too far down that road, the organization will cease to exist and the employee will be out of a job. So there has to be a balance if the organization chooses to focus on other things, be it political nonsense or employee issues or whatever it is. Now, some might argue, some, that organizations have a moral obligation to their employees. And I'm not going to, I mean, maybe they do. But there is a massive difference between morality and effectiveness. And one has to wonder how moral it is to destroy the organization's effectiveness for the sake of morality. Especially when you consider that the greater morality, if you want to look at it through this lens, uh, might be staying in business so that the organization can continue to provide jobs and, of course, chase their vision. But therein lies the problem. That's how fast the conversation can turn away from the reality of the situation. And I say that because the organization does not exist to provide jobs. That's not the point. The organization exists to provide a product or a service, or more pointedly, to chase a vision. And it provides jobs to facilitate that endeavor. 
And this is one of the many problems with servant leadership, by the way. Servant leadership assumes that the leader in the organization have to serve or pander to the employee. That's just not true. Here's the deal. An organization is not responsible for the life decisions of their people. Yet, for some weird reason, individuals believe that the organization is somehow responsible or obligated to fix or pay for personal decisions that are not business-related. And that doesn't make any sense. An organization's generosity is often taken for granted or simply expected as part of the employment. Again, this is insane when you really think about it. This actually goes back to the decision part of what I was just talking about. When things outside of the organization occur, like pregnancy, addiction, death, or whatever, flat tire, we personally choose how to navigate that. The organization didn't thrust those things upon us. Therefore, it is not their responsibility or obligation to help you navigate that. The only thing an organization is truly obligated to do is to fulfill the terms of the employment agreement that you agreed to. If an organization chooses to help you make your work situation better, it should be appreciated instead of taken for granted. Similarly, if an organization chooses to help you make your non-work situation better, it should be appreciated instead of taken for granted. They really don't have to do either. But, of course, by not doing so, they run the risk of losing good people. But that's not even the point. Here's the thing. We have to remember that generosity is relative. I had a student suggest that basic humanity has become generosity. And that might be true, but I can't help but wonder how much of this really correlates with the erosion of personal responsibility and perspective. Again, the only thing an organization is obligated to do is fulfill the terms that were agreed upon. That being said, it does benefit the organization to help improve the lives of its people where possible. A happy workforce tends to be a productive workforce. Again, what makes employees happy? What makes them stay? However, there is a point where even that effort feeds ineffectiveness. And that is a decision that the organization has to make. Do they sacrifice organizational effectiveness for the sake of someone's personal life decisions? Some organizations will. Some won't. But here's the deal. And going back to the decision element for a second, that is a decision that the organization has to make and a decision that the employee must choose to accept or not. The competitive nature of the market demonstrates that organizations that offer such benefits tend to have all the employees they might ever want. At the same time, you and I both know that there are plenty of people out there who are going to take advantage of such generosity and abuse the privilege. So, organizations who want to be generous usually have to set some terms to that generosity. And this is usually how a benefit becomes an obligation or expectation, which of course runs the risk of reducing effectiveness. But we have to remember the immoral versus moral versus effective versus ineffective conversation. If an organization wants to exist for very long, they need to figure out the effectiveness portion of the operation first. If they want a loving and productive workforce, they have to figure out a way to balance the morality portion as well. But here's the deal. It's not just on the organization's shoulders. 
employees who want stability and good pay and all those wonderful things, they need to understand that uh, it's a balance as well and, and not abuse the organization in the closure. But all of this, again, is just distraction. We're missing something here. You know, it's interesting to me because more than half of employers say that they're seeing more people quitting than they had in previous years. <laughs> you know, when we look at it, and well, and again, right, so these people are leaving with or without a job. And this actually makes a lot of sense to me. I say that because we're dealing with difficult financial times. And organizations are cinching up their belts. So are employees, which means that certain things from an organizational standpoint, like marketing and training, usually take a back seat. And I think that's a bad move, in my opinion. Granted, there are, eh, there's likely a lot of factors to consider here. Compensation, work-life balance, benefits, inflation, and so on. Of course, we could talk about how employees don't feel valued by their organizations and managers, or how due to the current political climate and the self-silencing, many just don't feel like they belong uh, with certain organizations. But again, all decisions. The organization chooses to provide a certain pay. The employee chooses to accept it or not. The organization chooses their time requirements. The employee chooses whether or not that offer is acceptable. The organization chooses whether or not they value their employees. The employee chooses whether or not they want to be loyal to the organization. And organizations choose whether to see the future or live in the past. Same goes for employees. And here's the deal. Everyone wants great pay and benefits. Who wouldn't? That's a given. However, not everyone's going to get it. And not every organization can provide it. Oddly enough... This part is actually a lot less critical than you might think. Now, there is no doubt, and I'm not suggesting otherwise, that making enough to pay the bills is important and necessary. However, we have to remember that inflation and dollar devaluation is not in the hands of the organizations, right? It's not, it's not coming from the mom-paw store down the road. As renowned economist Milton Friedman once said, inflation is made in Washington because only Washington can create money. Consumers don't produce it. Producers don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. What produces it is too much government spending and too much government creation of money, unquote. All of this to say that considering the vast majority of the American economy is small businesses, we have to appreciate that we're all dealing with the fallout of higher inflation, and this includes businesses. Unfortunately, many are simply not trained to navigate such problems. But here's what we know for certain. Hard work, productivity, engagement, loyalty, commitment, and sacrifice, these are what organizations desire and need, especially if we're talking about being profitable and having money available to provide raises and more benefits and so on and so forth, right? There's two sides to this coin that we have to consider. But these are also things that employees are willing to give if 
they believe in what the organization is trying to do, and if they feel that their efforts are appreciated, and if they make enough to live. This is actually a very simple issue. So I want you to consider the following. How many people join an organization these days because they need a job, not because they believe in the organization or the organizational vision? Probably a lot, right? But think about this. How many organizations spend any kind of time selling their employees on their vision, indoctrinating them into the organizational culture, and helping them to believe in the organization's goals? I can tell you from my experience, not a lot. And to me, that's a mismatch. Better yet, how many organizations dedicate time to demonstrating and training employees about their roles and, and, and how those roles strategically fit into the organization's overall vision? Again, in my experience, not many. Well, it's pretty hard to buy into something that you don't know about. Even harder to believe in fancy words up on the wall that nobody talks about. Or really even mocks because nobody follows it. And frankly, it's pretty hard to believe in an organization that doesn't believe in anything, let alone be loyal to it. And let's think about engagement. Only 30% of U.S. employees are highly engaged. 30% of U.S. employees are highly engaged. That means 70% are not, right? But half are somewhat or not engaged, and one-fifth have low engagement or are actively disengaged. The scary thing? Those are dated numbers. The problem is much worse today. But again, it's pretty hard to be engaged when you don't even know what the goal is or how important your role is in that scheme. Similarly, uh, it's pretty hard to be engaged when you're confused about the purpose of your work, and yet you're being pushed around by a manager who doesn't understand this concept either. He continues to just push for productivity anyway. So right off the bat, we know that there is a vision problem, a goal problem, a training problem, a cultural problem, a management problem. That's not an employee problem. Going back to one of the original questions, you need to understand that one of the top reasons an employee stays with a company is training and advancement opportunities, specifically the training. And the numbers not only support this idea, but they paint a nasty picture about what the reality is. Listen to some of these numbers. Only 37% of organizational leaders believe that their organization's development pro programs are adequate. 37%. Only 22% of executives say that they don't expect their organization to have a skills gap in the future. Meaning that 78% of organizations do expect to have a skills gap, Yet, for whatever reason, there's been a net decrease in the percentage of organizations willing to offer training. Around 74% of workers believe that they're not reaching their full potential in their current position and would appreciate more learning opportunities. Over 74% of employees say that they are ready to learn a new skill to remain employable. Yet again, few training opportunities. Meanwhile, 68% of employees say that training and development are a company's most important policy. 61% of organizations offer no training to their people whatsoever. 
But you know what I see here? I see that training and development are severely lacking. And if training is so important to employees, as they said it is, no wonder people are leaving their organizations. And I get it. What if we train them and they leave? <clears throat> well, what if you don't train them and they leave? How about that? If you train them, you have a chance of keeping them and a chance at productivity and engagement. If you don't train them, you lose on both fronts. Look, again, the problem isn't all about the employee. We have to remember that a lot of people who start businesses uh, don't know about organizational development, and I get that, and I understand that, and hopefully you do too. But some of these things are sort of a given. Now, I could go on and on about this, but here's the deal. If you want to fix some of these problems... If your organization or your team or whatever is dealing with some of these problems, you need to course correct just a few things. As anything leadership, it's got to start with the vision. You need to be vision oriented. You got to live it, breathe it, train it, hire to it. And if you're a potential employee and the organization doesn't have a clear vision, then you need to be aware that you're taking a risk. In fact, I would say expect disappointment because clearly that organization has no clear idea of where they're going or what they're trying to accomplish other than make money. It's going to be a rough employment. Now, I'm sure there's probably exceptions to that rule or to that idea, but still. Second thing, goals. I just want to say that it's a lot easier to innovate and set goals when we have a clear vision to shoot for. Just little side note there. Remember, vision is where we're going. The mission is how we get there. Right? The mission is going to be comprised of, of various uh, goals. But if you're only operating on mission, then the only thing you're going to get is task completion. And it'll probably be completed with the least effort possible. If a manager is pushing for the task completion without the bigger picture, all you're really getting is a jerk. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not exactly inspiring. And that's why I'm not a fan of management. Don't get me wrong, I appreciate the importance of the mission, but you need to know that things tend to go wrong when we lose sight of the vision. Which brings us to training. Employees want it. They want it badly. And it benefits the organization to provide it. Train, and train often. Train people for the jobs they have and prepare them for the jobs they want. Think about that. If you're training your employees for their current job and helping them become masters in their current job, they're going to be appreciative. They're going to feel better. They're going to feel beyond competent. They're going to feel like pros. And if you're training employees for a future promotion or position or just even to be able to fill in when someone else is away, wouldn't that provide excitement, increased productivity, and a higher degree of buy-in and engagement? I think it would. Because it would show that you have their future in mind. And they would be excited about that, and they would want to show you that they are ready and competent 
for that promotion. And if you had that type of work environment, wouldn't that provide the organization a higher degree of agility? Of course it would. And here's, here's a little tip about the training. Make sure that such training always, always and always has a vision focus. Similarly, employees engage in training whenever and wherever you can. I want you to remember that knowledge is power, but power is transferred, not created. So you can transfer some power to yourself by engaging in training and education whenever possible, 100%. Now, your current employer might not appreciate it, or they may not pay you extra for that effort, but it's not for them. It's for you. So back to the decision element that we discussed earlier. Perhaps that means that eh, maybe you're with the wrong organization. But you probably already knew that because the same organization likely doesn't invest in robust training programs and likely isn't vision-oriented. See how that works? So let me simplify this. Have a vision and live by it and hire and train by it. Train up your people often, whenever you can, for now and for the future. And if you do, you're probably going to see a lot less of the exodus. Granted, this isn't the whole picture. As I mentioned earlier, yes, there is a pay issue. There's an inflation issue. There are bigger, uh, or I should say, other issues to consider. However, what I'm discussing here today is a massive part of this puzzle. Of course, we'll discuss other elements in later podcasts. Friends, that does it for me. Thanks for listening. Until next time, lead on.